Hi everyone, welcome to Let's Talk Recovery and Family Podcast. My name is Jack. Hope everybody's doing okay out there. I know that uh, sometimes the weather can come into play if we don't like heat. If you're down here in the south, you guys know I'm in Texas, so it's uh, not been too bad the last few days. Low 90s, right? It's not too bad. Not too bad. Anyway, I appreciate you showing up. Thanks for listening. Um, if you're back and is listen, listen to others, I appreciate you so much. Absolutely. If you're new, welcome. Um, I hope that this podcast is something that you find if you're in addiction or in recovery, um, can help you out. Maybe some of the information will help your family too. That's kind of what my goal is, um, to, to be able to provide information from my take, from my angle, um, from my experiences, um, one, out in the field as a counselor, and two, some of my, my own experience, strength, and hope um, from dealing with um, alcohol abuse um, and some mental health issues, you know, depression, anxiety, anger issues were always a big one. So hopefully, um, whatever it is that I have to offer in this podcast, you can just take what you need and leave the rest, as they say in the meetings, right? Share it with your family if it's an angle that you've been trying to explain to them um, and you need help doing that. Sometimes um, that helps, too, having a, a third-party voice to kind of share some of um, what happens behind the scenes um, and in detail with some of this stuff. And, again, it's just my own personal experiences other counselors or other people in the field will have uh, something a little different to add and that's okay find their podcast too so anyway if you do find that you're getting anything out of this please don't hesitate to hit that support button anything that you can offer um and help would be greatly appreciated helps me keep my uh um, equipment up to speed right computer and mic and that kind of stuff um yeah i appreciate it something i'm going to talk about today is in relation to, it's one of the things I like to do, is talk about some of those hidden, I don't know if you would call them gems, uh, right? But some of the underlying issues that tend to promote, exacerbate alcoholism, drug addiction, right? Because not too many people just decide one day, you know, I think I'm just going to start drinking heavy today. Or I think I'm going to pick up the pipe, uh, maybe a needle. You know, That doesn't happen. Usually, there's an activating event and then multiple stressors from that point forward that people just don't have the skill, people skills or coping skills to to manage through. And so we do tend to try to medicate with drugs and alcohol that it goes from abuse into addiction, dependence. Um, and that can happen. That can happen. So luckily, some of the stuff I talk about, too. There can be some of those underlying things that promote, right, or increase the likelihood of addiction should you already be using drugs and alcohol um, are kind of typical in everyday household, right? Kind of typical in everyday household. So let's look inside, inside yourself and honestly address your emotional health. Take a second and sort of do a personal sort of inventory. Alcoholics and addicts are always asked to do an inventory. So today I'm asking everyone to do a little bit of an inventory. Look inside yourself and honestly see your own emotional health, right? 
This will take some courage, uh, but the result of your efforts will be an understanding that leads to better control. Gaining some insight on where your thoughts, feelings, and emotions are, right, can help you gain some insight, right? Can gain some insight and help you learn better, right? And it does lead to better control if you just take notice um, and you can make better choices. Control leads to the freedom of making rational decisions, right? Some people, it's just a matter of milliseconds between the emotion and the reaction, right? That happens, but it'll give you some freedom to make rational decisions and enjoy better emotional health. And I do, I believe that everybody should take care of their emotional and mental health. Life is stressful. And we just, you know, maybe teetering towards the end of this COVID thing, maybe. Who knows? But I know that it's brought in a lot of pressure for a lot of families. Addiction has gone up, right? Alcoholism, drug addiction has gone up. Um, unfortunately, right, domestic violence has gone up too. Um, and those two can tend to feed off of each other. So you can have domestic violence without substance use, but if you've got them both, it ain't good. It ain't good at all. When people are addicted to alcohol and the drugs, life is very stressful. Mood-altering drugs can temporarily reduce the level of stress experienced as a result of what is going on around them. That is important. It is difficult to get clean and sober when there's just so much chaos and stress around you, right? Mood-altering drugs can temporarily reduce the level of stress experienced as a result of what is going on around you. It says temporary. So even once you sober up and clean up, guess what? The stressors are still there. However, when that effect wears off, just like I said, people can feel more stress than they had before. Because then you got to look at the damage you've done while you were drunk or high. Got to look at the money you spent while you were drunk and high. Right? So all you've done is sort of exacerbate the stress. You've set yourself up to have added stress. Everyone experiences stress and it accompanies life changes. It just happens. Loss of job. Divorce. Breakups. Right? Everyone experiences stress, and it accompanies all life changes, good and bad. People getting married, the excitement of that can be stressful. Recovery from alcohol and drug addiction is a life change. Recovery itself can cause some stress, can cause a lot of stress. When you don't know what your family's going to do, you don't know how they're going to act. Have they changed? Have they not? Right? Is it um, just something that is going to cause less stress, more stress? Right? For the addict, probably more stress because the family members can tend to not have changed much during their treatment phase if they've gone off to treatment. Managing stress is an important aspect of your emotional health and well being. That holds true for even people who are not an alcoholic or an addict. All right? 
Let me say that again. Managing stress is an important aspect of your emotional health and well-being. It is important to reach a stable balance in your emotional health so that you do not return to using drugs and can begin feeling okay. But you don't have to not return to using drugs, right? For non-alcoholics and addicts, maybe you can just return to some degree of inner peace. That's important. Inner peace. Stress is a killer. And it, you hear you hear doctors talking about it. You hear the news people talking about it. You see commercials on it all the time, right? Stress is a killer. However, some people have extreme periods of sadness, anger, depression, anxiety, um, and hyperactivity. Yeah, they may try to get help for these emotional problems. Or they may try more harmful things, such as drugs and alcohol. Right? If you, people, I don't know, there's this stigma. This stigma with mental health. I think maybe over the course of the last few decades, it's kind of gotten better. I mean, you have a lot of actors and actresses and singers, right? People in the entertainment industry that start opening up over the last few years about their own issues, right? And I think that makes it more real for some people, right? Demi Lovato, great, great voice, right? Uh, dealing with bipolar disorder, and that's that's a tall order. That's a tall order because people sometimes with mental health issues can tend to take on more stress or it's perceived as a larger stress than it may actually be, but you're still, your body's feeling the effects of that. Right. So, you know, it's something that's got to be talked about. Got to be talked about whether you're an alcoholic or an addict or not. Right. <clears throat> when it comes to drugs, drugs may provide temporary relief. But they are more likely to do further harm to a person's emotional health, especially if you're getting high. You're cranking yourself, cranking yourself up, right, on methamphetamine or whatever the case may be. <clears throat> if you're already dealing with depression, your lows as you come down is going to be a lower low than it was before you were using. So in a sense, all you've done is sort of made the depression worse, right? Take this second. A little bit of visualization. Deep breath. For the next few minutes, make a mental image of yourself as you are today. As you look at this mental image of yourself, pay particular attention to your emotional health and well-being. Are you okay? Make note of your strengths and your weaknesses in this area. Take a deep breath. Picture that image. And decide for yourself. Am I okay? Right? And if you're not. See somebody. Go and see somebody. Right? 
after this visualization, after you've done this, take some time to write down your own goals, concerns, your emotional well-being. Also write down your strengths and weaknesses in this area. So play this back maybe to get a refresher on what the exercise was uh, or if you can recall what it is. Sit down with some pen and paper and take a look. Take a moment at when you were doing this, asked to do this, what did you step into? Some sadness, some stress. Do you feel your heart beating faster? Is your pulse rate up? Right? And if you recognize these things, these stressors, these things going on in your life, write down your strengths and weaknesses in the area of dealing with them. Right? Take the time to see. Maybe take a moment or two to make a mental image of yourself as you were, would like to be in terms of your emotional well-being. Make that the second half of this visual assignment. Right? Take a few moments to make a mental image of yourself as you would like to be in terms of your emotional well-being. You may think about the specific goals that you would like to achieve, maybe some specific changes in your life that you would like to make, right? This may take work and time and patience to do. So don't just try to have it all done here at the end of this session or this evening or tomorrow or, you know. Do those two visualization exercises. It will take work, time, and patience, but you can achieve it. You can do it. Take an inventory of how you're feeling. Right? Notice conflict. Notice emotional insulation, frustration, right? Notice pressure you may feel, regression you sometimes experience, right? And pinpoint those stressors. Pinpoint those stressors. Alcoholics and addicts, maybe it is the alcohol and the drugs. I don't know. But I bet money that it's deeper than that. I bet money that it's something that happened to you in your life. Right? The first time somebody turns you on to something, you notice that it changed the way you feel. And for some reason, sometime in in that moment in time in your life, it was something that you thought you needed. So as soon as there's a payoff of the changing of how you feel, the brain records that. Right? It's kind of the sensory thing. You know, sometimes if you... um, Let's see, you know, all the other parts of the body communicate to the brain, right? Everything about you communicates to the brain, whether it's sex, food, whatever, okay? So let's say you are eating some ice cream. Your taste buds get whatever they're going to get, right? All the flavors are filling your mouth, whether it's chocolate, vanilla, whatever. And all the things you're beginning to feel manage to make their way up to the brain. And the brain plays it out as, man, this tastes good. Right? 
Well, the difference between foods and some drugs is that it completely bypasses the sensors, the sensory process. There's no messaging going on there. Drugs go straight to the brain. So then you're using drugs, and there's no sensory process. It goes straight to the brain. And if it's a desired effect, the brain goes, hey, this feels good. Two total types of things. So you got to treat them as two totally different things, right? Think about the questions we just did, the sensory visualization thing we just did. Be mindful of what your main personal strengths in relation to your emotional health might be. Play that out. Three main personal strengths in relation to your emotional health. Think about that. Play this back. Write it down. Whichever. On the flip side of that, what are three main personal weaknesses in relation to your emotional health? Right? What are three main personal weaknesses in relation to your emotional health? I know it's kind of a tough thing to do. It ain't easy experiencing those things. Right? That's Because um, stress, stress is not good. Stress, your emotional well-being. Right? People, the world is on, on a fast pace. It's rush to work, rush to lunch, rush back to work, rush home, rush dinner. Right? Rush the kids here, rush them there. We live in a society that's just go, 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 go. And nobody takes the time to even consider what that might be doing to your body. Right? Some people aren't even taking the time to consider that within the day, there are some hidden triggers for why you're drinking and drugging. If you're not good at managing stress, especially if you have an anxiety disorder, right? If you have an anxiety disorder and, ang and anxiety is a trigger and your day is full of a bunch of little stressors, right? No wonder. This is one of the areas where you don't necessarily have to ask why. When it's your primary go-to coping skill, you ask, why not? Right? The thing is, when you go into treatment, you do want to look at other skills. Learn how to swap. Do something different. It doesn't have to be drugs and alcohol. Right? A stressor is something in the world that makes a demand on a person. In other words, a stressor is or can be an event, a person, a law, a rule, or a request that requires a person to react in some way. Let me say that again. Stress is something in the world that makes a demand on a person. In other words, a stressor is an event, a person, a law, a rule, or a request that requires a person to react in some way. 
This is coming out of that living in balance curriculum um, that some of you guys noticed or I've explained to you that I use this curriculum and actual treatment. Uh, and it's great exercise, great food for thought, right? Get you really thinking just like this very statement. Who thinks of a law being a stressor, a rule, or a request that requires a person to react in some way? Right? Sometimes people just go, oh, it's part of work. But did it bother you? There are three basic types of stressors. Frustrations, pressures, and conflicts. If you're listening to this in, in, in late day, maybe evening time, think back through the day. Were there little things along the way through the day that created frustrations? built some pressure for you, or created some conflict. Stress is an internal reaction to the demand of the stressor. For example, if a person is expected to be at a meeting at a specific time, that expectation is a stressor. For some people, it would be a pretty mild stressor. You know, so just go, oh, I've got a meeting to be right? Uh, but let's say you've only been on the job a month or two, and it's going to be your second meeting, and you're already running late to all the people who've been there for a while, right? Would that little detail not increase the amount of stress you might feel? If the person feels a need to meet the demand, he or she will feel some stress. Not every stressor, however, will cause every person to stress, which was my point. If you've been at the same job for a decade, right, and you most of the time are at meetings five, ten minutes early, and it looks like you might be two minutes late today, that may not create a stressor for you. But if you're new to the job, this is your second meeting, right, and it looks like you're going to be close to two or three minutes late, you're going to feel a little bit different, right? You're going to feel a little bit different. I just started a new job. Came back from Oregon six months ago. Went through the winter storm. Went to the wife and I. Went through us having COVID. My parents having COVID, right? And those are all stressors. We're trying to buy a house through all this stuff. Um, trying to make sure that we don't have another sky-high mortgage. Mortgage is crazy right now, right? Uh, making sure my parents are okay. Mom's older. Dad's older. Um, they're not in the best of health, right? Those are some of the, some of the stressors that brought us back from Oregon, right? Because people worry. You worry about your family, right? You worry about your family. And different people respond and stress over those things in different ways. Different ways. You know, in relation to this particular session, people react and respond with drugs or alcohol. Which is not healthy, of course. Not healthy at all, actually, right? You got to find some other thing and measure what frustrations are for you. What are what is that? What does a frustration look like to you? Frustrations occur when obstacles block one from reaching a goal. Some obstacles are external, right? Such as losing a job, not having enough money to pay bills. Losing a friend, uh, making an enemy, right? 
some obstacles are internal, such as guilt, overspending the rent, money, right, on cocaine, being afraid of engaging in sober activities, feeling lonely, or getting angry. So yeah, I do. I want the whole family to understand that everybody's got stressors. But let me point this out. Let's say the alcoholic addict in the family feels those same exact stressors that you normals do, right? Loss of a job, not having enough money to pay bills, losing a friend, or making an enemy. And on top of those, they're feeling guilt, right? They're feeling afraid. And yeah, like this statement says, sometimes they're afraid of engaging in sober activities. That's a big life change for someone who's been intoxicated most of life. It's a big life change, right? So maybe they're feeling afraid on top of those other things. Maybe they're feeling lonely on top of all those other things, right? Maybe they have a tendency to feel angry about feeling all of those other things. So I'm not saying that you need to feel pity for the alcoholic or addict. Just saying that they're dealing with the same stressors and frustrations that normal people are. But they're also feeling a whole lot of guilt and shame and pressure over the things they're doing. Stress can be a pressure, right? Pressures that force people to achieve specific goals by speeding up, working hard, changing in a way that's doing something better. It may also come from expectations of others. Sometimes expectations of others can be a little unrealistic. Like, I need you to stop using drugs. I need you to get back in school. Stop using drugs. I need you to get to work. Ooh. The time frame between those two can be months, family members. It's not like I'm going to quit using drugs and drinking on Monday and have a job by Wednesday. Right? So you have to be a little bit careful about applying too many unrealistic expectation pressures. People in recovery not only have external pressures from family and friends to get better quickly, but they also receive pressure from other recovering people to make progress in their recovery and attend meetings. So they're getting it from all over. And for a lot of alcoholics and addicts, stress is a trigger. So what are we doing, right? An example, recovering addicts usually get pressure from their sponsors to stay in touch and be honest about feelings and emotions. People, meetings, as you've heard me say before, is ran by a group of sick people for sick people. I have seen sponsors get told the truth about how someone is thinking or feeling 
and because it fell out of line for what their own they don't they won't tell you this but it fell out of line for what their own personal beliefs are about how your recovery should go they fired the alcoholic or addict you don't think that setting up an alcoholic or addict that's new to the program right just got out of treatment been going to meetings a month two months right maybe three months and this sponsor fires this other person because he or she feels they're not at a place they should be that's a relapse waiting to happen because now they don't have the one person they thought they would have aside from their family being their sponsor not there to support them when being honest backfired now if you're listening and that's happening to you or did happen to you don't worry about that sponsor they will somehow some way get got right somebody in the meetings is going to call them on their stuff and hopefully they'll learn to stop doing that meanwhile you don't sweat it you find another sponsor find another sponsor do you feel pressure from family and friends to get better quickly well try to avoid feeling that way family members don't apply more pressure than the meetings aren't already applying right it takes time it takes time it doesn't happen overnight anyway appreciate you guys thanks for listening thanks for dropping by um hopefully the rest of your day will go well if it's early Hopefully you had a good day if it's late. See you until next time. Be blessed.